This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Don't forget about the Daily Poll, which you can find at Accessible Media on X or at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. It's a general question about self-diagnosis, and it asks you out there in listener land in the viewer vortex how you feel about people self-diagnosing themselves with a disability, good or bad. Yes, I a nuanced question, but heck... That's what this world is. Sometimes you've got to make choices and feel free to get involved in the comments section if you do want to share some of that nuance and why you voted the way you did. That daily poll is prompted by a conversation to be had about self-diagnosis within the autism community. There are people who are utilizing online resources to self-diagnose whether or not they are part of the autism community. There are some concerns or flaws when it comes to self-diagnosing, and it's hotly debated. Rebecca Dingwell is a freelance journalist who's written about this. Hey, good morning, Rebecca. Hi. Rebecca, I sort of tried to encapsulate that a little bit in the intro to put it in simple terms (laughs) for folks, but why is the issue of self-diagnosis so hotly debated within the autism community? Gosh, well, I think there are a lot of reasons, but what I think is sort of the the driving force behind it is that people who have been formally diagnosed oftentimes have gone through a lot to reach that diagnosis. Or if they were diagnosed as a child, maybe their family, their parents went through a lot to reach that diagnosis. So I I think sometimes looking at somebody who has self-diagnosed, they look at that and they think, well, wait, but they they didn't have to go through the same things that I did. So why should they just be able to kind of wear this label and it not be a problem for them? So so I think sometimes it's sort of like, um, you know, internalizing and, and projecting a, a little bit. I think that is where a, a lot of these issues come up. Process probably matters quite a bit here, though, because anytime on social media, in WebMD, or even just uh, scrolling through your uh, news feed, you come across a meme or a video and you're like, oh, that kind of describes me. Like, that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. But, like, that's not a true self-assessment. The process must be a little bit deeper than that. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think it's important to note that uh, holistic people or non-autistic people are going to possess some autistic traits. Um, And that doesn't mean that everybody's a little bit autistic or everybody's on the spectrum. It's like anything else. Like, for example, many of us have obsessive compulsive tendencies in one way or another. That doesn't mean we have OCD. Um, That's what, you know, makes it a disorder, so to speak, or a diagnosis in itself. Um, So for myself anyway, uh, my kind of autism journey started by kind of seeing some of those memes and hearing other people speak and saying, hmm, wait a minute. But that wasn't how it began and how it ended. That was just the start. And I think that's the case for um, 
while I went on to get a, a formal diagnosis myself, I think that's the case for a lot of people who are self-diagnosed, that uh, their journey might start in a certain way, but that's not the end of it. It's a lot more nuanced and complex than that. Uh, understanding that the medical system itself does have some barriers for people to get diagnosis or even get the care or understanding that they want along the way, simply relying on self-assessment or self-diagnosis comes with risks. What are they? Well, I, I guess it's it it's hard to say. I guess the, the biggest risk, risk is like, you might be wrong, but... I guess that that's kind of depends and comes down to the individual. Like, can you like live with potentially being wrong? I don't know that the risks are as far reaching and widespread as a lot of people um, think they are, because I think one of the arguments I hear mainly from people who aren't autistic is, well, what if we have uh, people taking up resources and most autistic adults would say to that, what resources? Yeah, that's what, fair. But like, what, what what are these resources that you're speaking of? Uh, and uh, in the same breath, look at something like uh, escalators. That's useful for somebody who might have chronic pain or a disability, but they're available to everyone uh, for the most part in a large place like a mall. And does the fact that it's available to everyone mean that it's a negative thing? No, anybody can use it if they feel like using it. Escalator might get a little bit crowded on some days. I don't think that takes away from its usefulness. So I think about it that way. I I wonder at the core of this conversation, it's about the way disability is viewed because there's not consensus on whether or not it should be viewed through the social model or the medical model. I know the modern trend is to look at it through the social model, that it's not a matter of medical condition that must be treated, but but I but I really see something like self-diagnosis as being landing right in the middle of where those two fights that exist across different disability communities meet. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the reasons I was inspired to think about this, write about this, talk about this during this time was uh, a piece that Dr. Devin Price wrote, and he's autistic himself, and he's a psychologist. And I think that he definitely, I feel like in his writing, I don't want to put words in his mouth or words on his page, if you will, but I feel like he lands a little bit more to uh, the social model where I myself, like you said, I, I kind of fall a little bit somewhere in the middle because I think there are a lot of uh, great, the, the social model is a great tool and it's a great way to look at disability differently and sort of it, that lens I think is really useful, but I, I don't think it tells the whole story. Um, and I think that we need to take these different lenses and and being willing to look at things from from different sides and to be able to get the the full picture of of what's going on in how we talk about disability and how we view it and how we experience it this might seem like a, a sharp u-turn in this conversation but what are some of the trickle down impacts on an individual's life if they want to self-declare as having a disability versus a diagnosis of a disability? Yeah, so one thing that I think 
it has been getting talked about more and more is the process of potentially moving to another country. So in Canada, for example, there is an issue of um, basically if you have a medical issue that is seen as potentially putting a strain on the country's uh, medical system or resources, then you uh, could potentially be denied uh, immigration status here. And a lot of people, I, f I feel like it's it's more known now, but a lot of people don't necessarily know that because it's like, wait, Canada is just going to deny somebody potentially based on a disability. And yeah, it can happen. Um, and I think probably deters people from potentially moving here as well. I know that Canada is not the only country, but um, yeah, the, the wording around it is very vague and I think deliberately so, um, so that they can just say, mm, no, and you know, you're sort of out of luck. I don't know how they go about determining whether you're going to be a strain on the medical system or what exactly that means. I mean, our, our medical system here is already strained. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, th things like that. And um, I think just general uh, dis discrimination, um, I don't know. I don't, I guess, I guess it's the same with self-diagnosis and like there's sort of a, that sort of inner battle of whether you're going to disclose or not. And I think that it kind of comes down to, okay, are you going to disclose your diagnosis or are you going to disclose your needs or are you going to disclose both? And I think a lot of people are these days, especially in work situations are leaning towards, I'm going to disclose my needs and I don't owe anybody a, a diagnosis for that. I'm just going to tell them what I need and they can accommodate that. Yeah, to, to a lot of degrees though, unless, and, and I, th I think that's where this sort of rotates and spins into the whole thing. A, 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 a broken system of discrimination against people with disabilities has created the need to properly self-identify. So where I agree with you saying, yeah, we want to express our needs, but you oftentimes will not get those needs met without adequate self-identification. Like, like I, th I, think, I think the problem with this conversation is that some of it's in the real world and some of it's in like an ideologically correct world where perhaps I, I agree with the ideology of everybody should get what accommodation they need all the time. But if you don't self, if you don't self-identify, if you don't self-identify and you can't give people the tangible reason to accommodate you, it's really difficult for them to consistently accommodate you. I, and I don't mean to attack your premise here, Rebecca, because I think the premise is fair. But I also think like inside the disability sphere, we need to be real that so long as discrimination exists against, pe against people with disabilities, then people with disabilities are going to have to do things that make them uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I totally hear you. And that's, I know that's a big part of why I personally decided to pursue a formal diagnosis. Um, it's not the only reason, but it's one of them. And I think um, to the degree of what, what Devin Price was talking about in his writing was about kind of, yeah, it's a little bit idealized, but it's sort of about the bigger picture of dismantling a system rather than talking about reforming it. And right. that's not going to happen overnight, certainly. Um, but I think that maybe a step would be to, for example, um, talk more about self-diagnosis or self-realization and 
the benefits of that or change people's minds about it, give them a different perspective is maybe just a step in the sort of big picture. And, and maybe someday the idealized world will will become the real world or at the very least bleed <laughs> over into it. Hey, um, it's, it's, maybe that's a pipe dream. <laughs> no, no, but it's, wor it's worth striving for, right? Like that's the point of this conversation. It's worth striving for. It's worth identifying the vision for the ideal world and moving towards it. Whether or not we're anywhere close to that ideal world uh, is, is sort of the, a, a, a secondary thought, but an important thought nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of, you know, uh, we need to talk about options and whether you choose to go with one option or the other. I think it's just also just making making people aware that there's more than one choice available to them. And it's going to depend a lot on, you know, your lifestyle. How do you work? Where do you want to go in the future? Do you want to even move to another country? Or is that so far off in the realm of what you're thinking about that that doesn't matter to you? It, it, it's really going to depend on, um, yeah, which which path um, is right for the individual yeah. person. Hey, Rebecca, thank you for this. I know it's a complex issue, so thank you for bringing it to, to the table today. It inspired a, a pretty good poll question that I think is going to get quite a few responses. So all the best to you. Great. Thanks. Have a good one. That's Rebecca Dingwell, freelance journalist in Halifax, Nova Scotia, coming up after the break. It's a... Uh, has been quite cold for sports fans south of the border over the weekend, freezing their tails off at playoff football games. So Alex Smythe wants to know what makes for a good sports stadium experience. And I already said goodbye to Brock Richardson earlier in the hour, which was a mistake because Brock is going to be part of that conversation, just like he's going to be part of the news quiz later in the hour. Having trouble keeping my things straight over here. So give me a couple minutes to reset. And then now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV and AMIplus.ca, we'll be right back. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.